South Band Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower, sponsored by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. So what'd you do this weekend? Uh, went to the Hernando Horn Lake football game on Friday night, and then Saturday morning, had a very interesting day uh, Saturday morning. Derek, have you ever been to a dance recital? Well, yes, I have. My daughter <laughs> took dance for about five years. Right. So you've been to a lot of dance recitals. But this this particular dance recital was at Conger Park. It was inside. They had two tents set up. They really did a good job. So, I mean, let me just give a quick shout out, shout out Center Stage Dance here in Hernando, uh, Miss Amanda Herring. Uh, Derek, I'd like, I want to reach out to her and see if she'd like to come on the podcast, visit with her about her business and about Center Stage Dance and, and some of the different trying things going on obviously with the coronavirus and stuff uh, i like to talk to business owners about that but shout out to them for um putting that on putting something together for these uh mostly ladies but uh, young ladies uh putting something together for them i think they i think my wife told me that they have maybe a thousand people a thousand girls or something yeah i mean that, that's the same place that Allie took it when she took when she took dance and there was you know at least several hundred easily yeah and they did i, I think we were at 10 o'clock i want to say they maybe started at nine maybe even earlier than that and then they had the last one i think was seven thirty, eight o'clock saturday night so it was an all-day 12-hour event it was pretty Pretty impressive what they did. I mean, shout out again to them, um, Miss Amanda Herring uh, at Center Stage Dance for, for putting that together. But it was very interesting, Derek, the uh, the dance recital. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, <laughs> Some of the people there are pretty pretty funny. Let me. I know we've talked about off air. My favorite thing about the dance recital is when people who drove the kids, more than likely drove the kids to their thing, mm-hmm. when the when the little girl would walk out to on the stage, they waved to her like she's a returning from the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> they get, like, you follow what I'm saying? They get pretty excited as they walk on the stage, especially the little ones. Yes. The little ones, uh, I used to love the three- and four-year-olds because right. they'd go out there. Some of them very shy, not knowing what to do. Other ones, full personality, bowing to the right. crowd, pointing yes. out, giving shout-outs. Just fantastic. I'm talking about, but I, you know, you follow what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, talking yeah. about the mom and grandmother or the mom, the, the people who drove the little girl. And to just the, dressed them in the back. Right. They were back just out. there. Yeah. Just, just dressed them in the back, right. walked back so, out. Yeah. So here she comes onto the stage and the grandparents wave to her literally like she's returning from war. Yeah. It's amazing to me. That's probably my favorite thing about the dance recital was I just got the biggest kick out of that. I was like, hey, they just saw you a minute ago. Yeah. And they're going to see you in just a minute. Bring your flowers. You have to have <laughs> yeah, the flowers. Got flowers. You have yeah, to have got the got flowers. That. I got to got to have that too. They were not. It's not a heckling type thing, but there were some of the people were, were. I mean, they were just openly like yelling at their granddaughters. Oh yeah. You know stuff like that. Oh, I mean, I mean that, there's a lot of shout outs. A lot of you know, you go girl. A lot of yeah. There's a lot of that. A lot of that. <laughs> A little surprised by that. I mean, at 10 o'clock in the morning, it was. I was like, oh, okay. I will say this, and again, shout out to Center Stage Dance. Uh, not not an advertiser yet on the podcast, but we're certainly giving them a lot of love this morning. Uh, Derek, I, I caught myself, the theme of this year was work, like working mm-hmm. type stuff. And before it got started, played 40-hour week by Alabama with nice. a phenomenal picture montage and all this kind of stuff of different people I knew and, and, and so forth. But I caught myself getting a little emotional. We we just take for granted America. I mean, we just take for granted what an awesome country it is. And to have that song play and showing all the different people, uh, some of the uh, medical workers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, man, I just love America. And I, I, like I said, I was standing there. Yeah, I caught myself kind of getting emotional. I love some Alabama anyway. Alabama's good. And, and she does a great job. I, I did it one year. It was just a bunch of songs throughout history. I think Allie had a Prince song, and uh, she had uh, what was like a um, one of the, like old army songs. So I mean, did a great job. Allie just stopped taking last year, so I did 
not get the chance to go this year. I was, you know, obviously disappointed about that. So right. I couldn't be there with you. Yeah. Uh, well, Allie, she quit dancing, but that's because she did discovered TikTok. So that's why discovered she, TikTok. So now <laughs> she just puts it online on her private account, and that's it. Yeah. Who needs dancing yeah. anymore? Let's I mean, just TikTok. Just, you know, she got 15 seconds at a time. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know. Let's not learn from Miss Amanda anymore. Let's learn from uh, no. what's the girl's name? I came the main girl TikTokers. Charlie D'Amelio. That's it. Yeah. Also, not an the advertiser. Fact that I know on that podcast. makes me very very sad. <laughs> and then uh, Saturday, let's see. That really an easy day on Saturday. Um, got to enjoy that on Saturday morning, and then on Sunday, Derek, church in the morning, and about then we had a birthday party to go to for my with my five year old, and then we went to the fall festival at Hernando Methodist Church. Yep. And there was a gentleman there dressed as Alexander Hamilton, and he was rocking the cakewalk. Rocking the cake. Do you know who that guy was? That would be me. Uh, that was basically the highlight of my weekend. You had a couple things. I did have my brother-in-law's birthday, which we went to. Shout out to Randy. Uh, I think he's what forty now, forty-one. Right, forty-one. Uh, and so then we did that, and then uh, Saturday didn't really do much. Just watch Ole Miss get taken down, which I'll probably bring up again in sports. But yeah, then we had the cakewalk, and I, I I had the Alexander Hamilton costume, pulled it out. Just rocked the cakewalk. Yeah. Uh, we had about 35 pre-bought cakes. Had to do pre-bought this year. You could not have, couldn't make any homemade cakes because of the virus. And so, the, but our, our class, Sunday school class, donated them all and had a great time and a great, a pretty good turnout for a cold, slightly dreary, drizzly day. I had, I thought we had a pretty good turnout. Yeah. You know, completely wide open. You know, booths all over the parking lot, so completely spaced out. But I just thought it was really well done. And you know, I'm glad the church did that. I'm glad we still had it. And I did have a good time doing the cakewalk. And so, for those that don't know, Derek, and most our listeners do but for those that don't know that Derek really enjoys doing the cakewalk for some reason he really enjoys that I grew, well I grew up in my hometown of, of Natchez I went to a school cathedral and that was you know that the fall festival was their main fundraiser every year they'd raise tens of thousands of dollars from it the cakewalk when I, growing up that was my biggest thing 50 cents a try homemade cakes they'd have it all day Saturday and Sunday I mean they were just you know hundreds of cakes you know I always wanted to win one and so I just stuck with me and so I said well, you know what I always wanted to do it usually it was packed so I just brought it up here. So you know what? And I think other places have cakewalks. It's not like Cathedral invented it. But the, I just enjoy doing it. So I say, you know what? I enjoyed it so much. The kids my age or that were my age when I was that age doing it have to enjoy it. So it seems to work. No, I, I agree. And, and rumor has it you sent an email out sometime in the middle of the night Saturday, and everybody read your email that was saying, "Hey, we have no cakes here." So they they proceeded to to just they did and yeah again, they showed up and brought you all kinds of those those cakes and you for for, for I mean you had more stuff than you needed to do I had we started at four fifteen finished at five fifty one so we had every cake uh, every three minutes for an hour and a half a little right. over an hour and a half so yeah I, again I appreciated it you know it gets you don't want a song to go four or five minutes walking and then you definitely do not want to have like okay now we're gonna take a ten minute break like a band. And then, you know, try to get people back to the cakewalk. So we have to have every three minutes, you know, going on. And, and they did a great job. And, again, we probably had 35, 40 cakes, got rid of them. i tell you something that's not a cakewalk right now, Derek, is the, is the residential real estate buying and selling. We all know how that can not be easy. And I want to recommend Team Couch of Birch Realty Group uh, when you want to buy or sell real estate. That's residential real estate in DeSoto County. Reach out to Brian and Terry at Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. They possess over 55 years of residential real estate experience to help you from the beginning to the end for all your residential real estate needs. There's a lot of realtors out there that have been in the business for a year or not very long at all. Guys, I'm telling you, there's nobody better in residential real estate than Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Reach out to them at 662-449-1700. That's 662 662- 
449-1700 or at www.teamcouch.com. Brian and Terry have been our presenting sponsors for about the last month, and uh, we've definitely uh, used Brian for some volleyball coverage. So, Brian, we appreciate you reaching us out and letting us know about volleyball. We'll talk about that later on. Some big things happen over the weekend for DeSoto County teams. Uh, DeSoto County volleyball is definitely in a good place. Uh, podcasts recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday morning from the mobile car and van rental studio in Hernando. That's the mobile car and van rental studio in Hernando, located at 2571 McCracken, McCracken and Commerce, each and every day. Reach out to them today, 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555 for any, any van or car rental needs. Matt, speaking of the mobile studios, Percy Lynch will be coming here this Thursday to the mobile studios for uh, an interview uh, with us for our podcast. If you remember last month, we had Josiah Coleman, uh, his competition for that seat coming in. This is uh, District 3, Seat 3 on the Mississippi Supreme Court. So we're really looking forward to having actually Judge Lynchard come in here to talk with us. We'll ask him very similar questions that we, we asked Justice Coleman last month. And, you know, we look forward to his answers, kind of get his thoughts on the race, get his thoughts on what he would like to see if he were elected. Again, and this is for the election Tuesday. This will be on the same ballot as a presidential election. So really looking forward to Judge Lichard coming in. And right after that, just an hour after that on Thursday, we have an appointment to interview Darren Musselwhite, the mayor of South Haven. Reached out to his office today and, and kind of told him about the UTW podcast. Got connected through a mutual friend. So, again, Darren Musselwhite will be coming on on Thursday uh, morning to interview. And then we'll put his out probably as a, as a full show, just like we did for Corey Usselton last week. But speaking of Corey Usselton, Derek, I got a lot of good response. I told you I went to the Horn Lake Hernando football game. Multiple people told me in the stands they enjoyed the interview. Thanks for interviewing Corey, talking with him. If you want to get uh, involved with the UTW podcast from an advertising standpoint, now's the time to do it because we're putting out a major all-out blitz starting on November 1st. Well, actually be November 2nd, Monday, November 2nd. We're going to be pushing uh, very hard from an advertising standpoint to grow the the, the show. And uh, people are reaching out to us left and right and telling us what they're enjoying, uh, Alderman meetings, planning commission talk, uh, all those type things. So now's the time to jump in with the UTW podcast from an advertising standpoint. If you would like one of those packets, if you would like to um, advertise with the UTW podcast, uh, look us up on email. Under the water tower info at gmail.com. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com to be a part of some of these wonderful interviews we have coming up. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to uh, start to, I think we're going to grow quite well. All right. So again, listen for Judge Lynchard's interview Friday morning and then Mayor Muscle White's interview probably coming out first of the week. Probably Monday we'll drop that interview. So just again, a lot to look forward to there. Speaking of local news, we want to turn to the local news section now of our show. And there's a couple of stories we really want to hit during this segment. The first one being uh, the, the total of uh, COVID numbers in the public schools. Now, we've not talked to them about this probably probably in four to six weeks. We talked about it kind of at the beginning of the year where we were. We wanted to celebrate it, and we continue to want to celebrate it. But we, it is, we do need to make mention that over the past week, uh, there were 80, 83 total new cases uh, that have happened, 49 students and 34 staff mem- members that tested positive. And this was the highest number of new cases week to week since the start of the school year. Because of that, there were 491 students that were quarantined. Center Hill, uh, unfortunately, had the most new positive cases, and as we'll talk about in the sports, uh, they were forced to uh, have it to forfeit their game, for, uh, football game Friday night. And the Hernando Middle School uh, also had uh, the most new quarantine. So, again, Center Hill had the most uh, new positive cases. Hernando Middle School had the most new quarantines. 
Uh, there was also statewide, again, we all know that the, the, the coronavirus is kind of coming back, and I don't think they're calling it a second wave, but there has been issues, and that's why there were state mandates passed. Seven more counties statewide were also added to the mandatory mask mandate. I believe the original was nine. DeSoto County was one of those nine. Now another seven more, so up to 16 counties now have the uh, mask mandate. But DeSoto County itself, you remember the, the test that they used or the I Numbers. guess the guideline that they use is that 500 positive cases per 100,000 is what the governor is using to issue those mandates. DeSoto County for the past week dropped to 401. So we're now under the 500 number. So we are told November 11th, that's when we were supposed to have the mask mandate too. However, we, if we stay below that 500, which we already are, through November 11th, I don't see any reason why he would not drop that mask mandate again, unless he's not going against his, you know, or he goes against his own rules. So keep doing what you're doing. Please keep wearing the mask. And you know, it has hit the schools. But Matt, I mean, how, how many students do we have again? According to Corey the other day, 34,200 students in DeSoto County Schools. Right. So I mean, we're talking 83 new cases for 34,000 students. Again, very small. I mean, you can do the math. Decimal point is what we have in DeSoto County Schools. But and and our numbers overall are going down. So I, I know. It's not the best thing. I know there's some people that are fighting it. A lot of us have just, I mean, we're just basically, I don't want to say done with it, but it's just kind of the, the deluge and the constant and, you know, people are just kind of over it. This is the wrong time to be getting over it because you know, flu has started. Please get your flu shots. Uh, so we're not confusing flu with that. We're not tying up hospitals or emergency rooms trying to get tested for the flu or tested for COVID or tested for both. Uh, and again, let's let's get to the 11th. Let's keep the kids in school. We only have a month and a half left till Christmas break. And um, but I, I think so, you know, a couple of negative numbers for the schools, but overall, you know, compared to our population, great numbers. And, and again, the population as a whole dropping from you know under 500 down to 401 per 100,000 is great news. I agree, Derek. And so what's what seems to have been happening, at least in my house or paying attention to different things is as you hear the word quarantine or so-and-so's quarantined, that is not positive. That is not positive. I know it was a big thing at Hernando Middle School. Uh, maybe I get it wrong and my wife gets on to me, but they had kind of a big um kind of a mass quarantine, one of the sports teams, they, they seem to have sent everybody home on Friday, okay? And so they'll say that, let's say they sent home at 11 o'clock in the morning. Later on that afternoon, when they started to dig a little bit deeper with, um, you know, the particular kids that were or did test positive, uh, a lot of those quarantines got lifted, you know? Yeah. Because it seems like they, I mean, they, they know that the best way, the best thing for these kids is to be at school. So they kind of react, circle back, and, and start doing a little bit more digging and get that kind of cleared up to where, so many people aren't and, and, and I, you know if that's the way they're doing it and they're doing that in a systematic way i don't have a problem with right. that i mean if you're going to overreact immediately you had two or three test positives send everybody home let's start the contact tracing let's start having conversations make the phone calls who is with whom we're so-and-so here we're so-and-so here they weren't okay you can come back to school on monday that's i've got i really don't have a problem with that because it's it, it the other thing is is okay just leave them in class next thing you know you got five tests ten tests no i mean let's let's be safe send them all home for a day or two let's make sure we have the right because we want as many as you said as many come back to class i don't have a problem with that strategy as long as it's followed in each case and as long as they're fair about who they let back in i've got i've got no problem hey and let's not forget the kids don't go to school friday at 12 school's out right so where they're going friday night and Saturday and Sunday has more to do probably with the catching. <clears throat> Maybe so. School. So just simply saying, I mean, you can't, even the kids that are quarantined, if you feel like if a kid's quarantined from school, I mean, if you feel like they're not living their lives when they're not in school, you're wrong. Well, no, I mean, and I mean again, if saying? they're not sick, they're quarantined, but they're going to quarantine at the at a, at a buddy's house. I mean, if, if <laughs> exactly. you're going to be quarantined and that's what the, the school tells you need to do, you may have to sit a weekend out. I mean, look, I, I'm, I was 16 year olds one and there was no way I'd want to sit a weekend out. But you may have to do that. I, we, we never faced anything like this. I mean, basically, we were like 
licking hoses. And, I mean, there were a lot of things we were doing at the time that, I mean, we caught all the viruses, and, and they didn't have this specific virus. So, so yeah, I mean, again, 12 o'clock on Friday, uh, the kids, uh, there's there's a lot of different uh, fall activities, different things going on that, that the kids are going and doing. I mean, kids are going to do what they do, and teenagers are going to do what they do. And uh, and so many, of our, uh, so many of us and parents out there, Derek, like we've talked about, are kind of over this. And, well, and I think so that, forth. yeah, and I remember, kids, you know, maybe you think it's funny. Maybe you think, oh, I want to be quarantined because I want to stay home two, two weeks home from school. But these, there are sports teams that are being shut down for this. And if you're a senior or if you're a junior or if you've got a playoff shot, why do you want to take the chance? I mean, volleyball, you know, y'all got through the season. Congratulations, and, and that's great. Football, and a lot, of, a lot of the teams in the county have a real shot at making the playoffs. It would be a real shame. I mean, unfortunately, Center Hill is dealing with it right now, taking forfeit losses. You know, I'm not saying – one kid did bad and one kid did good, but it happened. And so, you know, so if you're sent home for quarantine, quarantine, let them figure it out, then bring them back if you can. But on the weekends, especially when you know it's going around and you know a friend that has it, just make the right decision. Stay at home. Sure. Stay around your family. And, and y'all can play board games and just do something, <laughs> to, again, to try to keep the season going. The key word going. is bored. B-O-R-E-D. Right. Well, it could be both, but <laughs> being bored is better than being home on a I Friday know, night. I know. And, uh, yeah, don't kiss your boyfriend or girlfriend. Take a little time off from that as a teenager. Make room for Jesus. Make, make room, room for, for Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, make room for Jesus. Look, we're, we're going to continue to talk. Um, you can tell on the UTW podcast we try not to get bogged down by uh, COVID talk, COVID-19 talk. That's just a choice that we've made to give you the facts, give you the numbers, and, and stay positive and encourage everybody to do the best they can out there and, and don't let fear or don't let the media for sure uh, drive your stance on it. Derek, something else that we've received numerous uh, emails about or, or people that have stopped us at church and talked to us, hey, you guys need to talk about this on the podcast because it affects so many of our um, young people, so it affects so many of our just hunters and DeSoto County residents, especially in Hernando, is, uh, is CWD. Derek, tell us what CWD stands for and is. It is chronic wasting disease. This is a disease that attacks the basically the spinal cord and the brain of deer. A deer and elk, but of course we don't have elk around here. It's mainly white-tailed deer in our area. And this is a disease, that they, they get it, they can catch it through basically saliva of other deers, blood from other deer, uh, urine from other deer. And they get it, it, it attacks their brain, it makes them, it, uh, they start affecting with, basically they're, you know, telling them to eat, uh, they become emaciated. To so not eat. To not eat, excuse not me. Eat. Well, to, yeah, right, to not eat. Right. Uh, to you know, they start acting wildly. Uh, they basically start wasting away, which is why it's called the chronic wasting disease. You know, it's hit our it's hit our county. It's probably been here for two or three years. Did a little research on it. It came back in the the, the mid '60s was the first time it was discovered in c- contained deer. You know, deer that were in a certain area, mm-hmm. maybe like uh, in, in a certain fenced in hunting area or something like that. Was the first time they traced it. The first time it was found out in the wild was the early '70s in Colorado. Uh, it has obviously now been here for, again, it's been uh, maybe a little more than three years. It's been here for uh, a couple of years, but um, it's now prevalent in about 16, 16 to 20 counties in Mississippi. And so the Mississippi Wildlife and Fisheries came here a couple of about two Thursdays ago uh, down to Jason Coleman's event center down on Robinson Gin Road. And they, they did a presentation to a lot of hunters in the area about kind of what they're looking for this year. It, it is more prevalent. It is basically, you know, it's spreading to more counties because it is, it is a, uh, a disease that can spread pretty easily, much like coronavirus. And so this is, I wanted to go over, there was a brochure that was given out, and I want to kind of just touch the highlights of the brochure about what goes on, uh, what they want to look for, what they want to advise hunters not to do, and how they want to try to track this, basically do the contract tracing that we talked about earlier, 
that they do in schools uh, and other places for the coronavirus, how they're doing it for the CWD. Excuse me. First of all, what they're saying to asking hunters to do is to supplemental feeding is banned uh, in any CWD management zone. So basically no salt licks, no mineral licks, and no feeders. Uh, this would be in the counties that are affected, including DeSoto County. Direct contract with the uh, prions, and prion basically is the leftover, I guess, and I hate this is kind of a bad word to use, but basically the leftover juices of the deer uh, contain these prions as the most effective means of transmitting CWD. Research indicates saliva may have the highest concentration of these prions, Thus, to minimize that concentration of deer and uh, the potential spread of the CWD, supplemental feeding uh, anywhere in these zones is, you know, is not allowed. So please do not supplemental feed. If you started it, please stop it because they will be looking for it. Uh, another thing is, is that carcasses of deer may not be transported outside of a CWD zone. So if you're in the you kill, you come up here hunt, maybe your buddies come up here and hunt. They get a nice-sized deer. They want to bring it back somewhere, maybe towards South Mississippi, where they don't, you know, that the disease right now is not prevalent. He's not allowed to take that deer home. Or they want to use their taxidermist. They want to use their right. meat processor or whatever. Uh, if you're in DeSoto County, if, it, if it's killed in DeSoto County, it needs to it stay needs to here. stay in DeSoto County. All right, so only the, the below product. So this is the only time that the deer can leave. If it's already been cut and wrapped – Okay, uh, if it's deboned already, if it's a highs with no heads attached, or if they've already finished the taxidermy, or antlers with no tissue attached, so that it, so they can't take their you know their rack home with them after the, it's already been fully taxidermied. But before that, please leave it here, please leave, or whatever county it happens to be in, if it's part of a CWD county. This is the main point I want to touch on, and again, I'm not going to spend too much more time on it, but I think it is a very uh, you know important subject, especially to the hunters, to the families of the hunters. Uh, about you know trying to keep this as contained as possible. All right, when you're field dressing, so you've killed the deer, if you're field dressing the deer uh, out in the field, wear rubber gloves or latex gloves. They, they're basically recommending that you wear gloves for handling any and all carcasses. When you're field dressing an animal, leave the internal organs and the in, inedible parts at the site of the harvest. Avoid sawing through bone, spinal cord, brain, lymph nodes, or spleen, and we'll get to that why that is in just a moment because those are the parts that they want to test. Store all portions of the animal to be transported in a container such as a cooler, bin, or bag that would not leak the fluid. So again, very important to keep uh, all of the basically organs at the site, if, and then once you get them all together to basically bag them in something that does not leak to be able for transport. If you're going to process the meat, do not process a deer that appears to be diseased. So if you shoot a deer and it looks pretty emaciated, probably a pretty good chance it has it. Process all deer individually. So in other words, if you take it to a commercial processor and say, hey, I want some ground beef, they may mix it with another deer. They may say, okay, we've got you know three deer here. Well, he, we know his is about 80 pounds, so we'll just mix in 80 pounds. Of, but it could be two or three deer mixed together. No, ask them. It may be a little more expensive. Ask them to process it individually. Debone the meat from the deer and remove all the fat, connected tissues, and the lymph nodes. Avoid sawing through the bone. We talked about that before. Avoid eating or handling the eyes brains, spinal cord, spleen, and lymph nodes. I'm going to be honest. I don't know why you would want to eat those, but it does say eating and handling. Uh, limit the amount of bodily fluids going to an area such as floor drain that cannot be properly sanitized after use. So we're going to keep it, you know, any, any juices getting anywhere, we've got to make sure that we keep it sanitized, contained. Now, when you're disposing of it, again, now we talked about how you, we've cleaned it, how we're processing it, dispose of it. Deer parts should not be uh, rendered for use in feed for other animals. So do not make, you know, obviously... Uh, any kind of other feed. Pigs, Recommend, pig slop, stuff like that. Right. Recommended disposal methods for unwanted portions of carcasses are 
leave it at the harvest site. So just leave it there. Double bag and send it to an approved land, uh, lined landfill or deep burial. And when you say deep burial, eight feet or deeper. If you want to dig that grave, eight feet or deeper. Uh, and then once you have you know, cleaned your equipment, it says to you know, make, sure you make sure it's clean. It has to be fully sanitized. Thoroughly sanitize all equipment and workstations with a 50-50 solution of bleach and water. And then soak the tools for one hour in the bleach solution and then rinse thoroughly with hot water. So again, this disease is not anything to play around with. We need to make sure that we keep it sanitized or keep your, your um, keep it tools contained. Yeah, contained and keep your tools sanitized. Now, what they do want you to do is once that you've gotten, you know, you killed the deer, they do want you to cut off the head and try to bring the head, the brainstem, and the spinal cord wrap it up in a tight container, again, like the freezer, and bring it to a testing station. They would like for you to do this on the day of harvesting, so the day that you kill the deer, by 10 p.m. So they, they would really like for you to have it same day to the testing site by 10 p.m. to be able to tell you, uh, you know, all season long, they'll, be, they'll have freezers at the deposit sites. We'll be at each site for depositing the deer heads. The hunter should preserve the head with at least six inches of neck attached, Antlers and skull plate may be removed without affecting the lymph nodes used for testing. If antlers are not removed, they cannot be returned to the hunter. So if it looks like you have a deer that has, that is, that has it, you want it and it needs to be tested, again, cut off the head. If you want the antlers, you can cut off the skull plate to mount on your wall or do whatever you want to with it. Use it for, you know, for calls or, or rattling uh, you know, on another hunt. But once you turn in the head, you cannot get anything back. Uh, again, and one of the things that's being brought up is because they have now have it. One of the testing sites uh, is in DeSoto County now is the Love Volunteer Fire Department. That's on 7345 Highway 51 South. So the Love Vo uh, Volunteer Fire Department is a drop-off spot for the CWD, to for the testing. And again, do not eat any meat that you think comes from a diseased deer until it's been processed. I mean, excuse me, until it's been tested. Then you can have it processed individually. And then you, you can eat it. Now, I do want to reiterate, and I've done, you know, I've read several articles on this since this was given to me about a week ago. It had, there's been no studies at all that shows that this has entered humans anywhere. Um, now, they have done tests. It has entered mice that have eaten the deer meat. Uh, it has entered a type of monkey that is similar, more similar to humans that has eaten some, you know, infected deer meat. So they're thinking that at some point there could be some kind of mutation. So they want to be safe as possible. But again, up to October 27, 2020, there's never been a case of anybody contracting CDW. But they also want to say that even if somebody were to be infected, it may take years to figure it out because the deer can live with this for two to three years before they actually show signs. And that could be the same thing as humans. So uh, again, I, it's, I know it's kind of weird. And those that don't hunt, y'all can probably you know pretty much skip this part of the podcast. <laughs> But I think there's a lot of people, and this does affect our area, and I think it's just, you know, so if you see deer that may look like this, please report it, please turn it in, and, you know, please, again, call the Mississippi uh, Fisheries and Wildlife uh, for more information, you know, look at, to go to their website or maybe even call their office in Jackson. So, Derek, in 2020, we're not only asking hunters to be safe each and every time they go out to hunt, we also need them to basically act like hazmat outbreak contain people it's a, i mean i'm picturing the et movie whenever you know the, they bust through the thing <laughs> man that was a scary part of that movie all right yeah. so what if we had that kind of suit like a space suit 
uh, in a, in like in camo. That's what we're asking. Yeah, that's what we're asking people to go and do. Well, what, the, the instructions you just gave us were: I, I don't hunt. Uh, at least I don't deer hunt. I mean, I, I love to squirrel hunt, rabbit hunt, stuff like that. But wow, that's just one of those things right there. It's like, oh my gosh, the amount of stuff I've got to remember or try and do and so forth. And hunters are, are, are you know typically pretty sharp and, and definitely want to you know do their part for for what's going on because I know it's important to them to be able to have this for years to, in this area. But man, what a golly! Two thousand twenty has been something else. Well, it is, and as you said, most hunters are conservationists. I yeah, mean, they're trying exactly. to protect. I mean, they they do. It is very important for hunters to hunt to thin populations to prevent spreads of diseases just like this. Sure. But the, you know, but you're right. If you're going to shoot that deer. It's got to be worth it. I mean, that, you know, because a lot of times maybe, you know, you may have guys just, you know, just firing off at the hip. Anything they see that moves, not worrying about the size of the rack. They just, it, it, if they see a nub, they're shooting it. Well, hey, you may want to think about that because now you're going to have to field dress it oh, a certain sure. way, bring it in a certain way, maybe have to pay for an individual processing of meat. So, again, guys, just, you know, and, and gals who hunt, please just be smart, do your part. If you notice it, turn it in because if they can kind of contract it, Maybe keep it to a certain area. Probably, obviously, it won't be this year, but maybe at some point in the future, they'll be able to locate it, reduce it, and maybe hopefully, you know, again, maybe five, ten years from now, we can be removed off that list and, and go, just move on. Right, and something else we talked about off there, Derek, they, they basically call these deer is it zombie deer. They call it zombie deer. Zombie deer is the, is the thing. So, and again, this is not a funny situation, but A&E is famous for a TV show called mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. Animal Planet could easily have The Walking Deer, right? Well, look, I Wouldn't mean, that make sense? Uh, no, it, it could. Walking Deer, I like that. I do the like walking that. deer. You know, but if it's go on Google zombie deer. I'll check it out. And they there it's it's sad. I mean it really sure. is it's just it's emaciated deer who have just lost their literally lost their mind. Uh, and literally all they did was walk up to a, a salt lick or something like that. They got behind the wrong the wrong deer for lack yeah, of a better and, word. Yeah, and and if deer die, yeah. it stays with them. I mean like it could be months from from that deer dying and another deer goes up maybe nuzzles something beside it maybe eats a piece of grass that it died next to sure S- I mean, six months later they can still get it hey guys you know pay attention to it again uh, like you just said we talked that for about 10 minutes and you gave a lot of stats a lot of instructions and stuff so if if, if if you're not a hunter or deer hunter if your husband is or your wife is tell them to listen to the utw podcast and learn a little bit more about that certainly look into it of course you more than likely if you're a hunter in desoto county you already know about it so uh one gentleman Derek, i, I do believe that does hunt and uh, is now a advertiser with us here on the podcast to Richard Williams, the owner of Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Entering this fall season, the leaves are about to start falling, leaving your yard covered in leaves. Williams Services specializes in leaf removal, tree trimming, and fall cleanups. Give Richard a call at 662 662- 292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or look him up on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Podcast also brought to you by The Print House, located at 2462 Church Street. That's actually right behind Funderburk's Pharmacy in Hernando, right behind Funderburk's Pharmacy. Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services. Whether it's business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs, the ladies at the print house can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105. Or find them online at theprinthousems.com. It's that time of the week where we do the DeSoto County Fact of the Week. DeSoto County Fact of the Week is provided to us by Robert Long of the DeSoto County Museum. Please, every week we're going to talk about this, and every week we cannot encourage it more. Please go see Rob and the wonderful museum that we have in DeSoto County. Times like this, it's kind of hard to travel. We may not know where we can go that is safe. 
Uh, Rob keeps the museum sanitized. He lets small groups in at a time, follows all of the rules, 10 people or less with masks. It's also a great time to just kind of learn about our county, the rich history that this county has. The way that it's curated is is just you know beyond repro- reproach. We just really appreciate Rob for all that he does for the museum. We appreciate all the individuals who have donated to the museum. Uh, we also appreciate Rob the Museum giving us the facts every week. This week's DeSoto County Fact of the Week is, last week, if you remember, we talked about cars, the first cars that were in scaring horses and things like that. Well, now we're going to talk about the first car dealership, which is Soto Auto, was owned by Cap W.H. and Trinken. So a lot of y'all may remember in Trinken Motors. Uh, it was started around <laughs> 1915, who advertised the Ford Runabout as low as $390 without a speedometer. You can get that car for $390 bucks without a speedometer in 1915. Touring cars were most costly being $440, so you had about a $50 range from the cheapest car to the most expensive car. Early owners of automobiles soon learned that the motors would crank backwards when they backfired. So when they're, you know, if you're trying to crank that motor, and if some, you know, some reason it kind of kicked the wrong way, it would backfire. And when this happened, it often caused the individual to get his arm broken. <laughs> so let's, let's think about that. So you're winding that car up, you know, the front of the car, you're just kind of start that motor, and it decides it wants to backfire, you may break your arm. So, mm. again, that trip better be very important to you. You better be really, you know, willing to go out there. You know, that's tough. That's a tough thing. Yeah. I, I would take a lot, I'll be a lot more walking, probably a lot more uh, exercising done if every time you try to start your car, there was a chance your arm would break. Sure, it was a slim chance, but still, yeah, nowadays we just hit a button. Literally, we hit a button a to button. start our car. Yeah, you don't, yeah. Even have to turn, you don't even have to do the, the, no. the wrist flick you anymore. Yeah, you just, can't even break your thumb. Your thumb it's or your finger pointer. Push the button, have the key within like 50 feet of the car and press the button. $360? $390. For $390 what, for a car without a speedometer. I think there's a lot of people in Hernando that would like for their car or act like their car doesn't have a speedometer Office, it, in today's uh, world. <clears throat> excuse me, son. Do you know how fast you're going? No, sir. I do not. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I, yeah, I've got the run, I've got the runaround. Was it runaround or runabout? Runabout. I've got the runabout without the speedometer, sir, so I do not know how much the, how fast I was going. <laughs> oh, okay. There's your excuse right there. Do you know how fast? No, actually, I do I do not. I'm saving up for the speedometer. Saving it up. Hey, another, sp- another $50 more exactly. to get that 440 Again, like Derek said, uh, reach out to Rob Long or head over to the DeSoto County Museum right there on Commerce Street across from Bank Corp South. Uh, here in Hernando, open Tuesday through Saturday, I believe, 9 to 4. 10 to 4. 10 to 4, uh, Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, just get over there and see some uh, some amazing facts. Again, learn about the county that you live in. Uh, some of the younger people learn about the county you were born in. I mean, there's a lot of uh, amazing history uh, right here in DeSoto County. Derek, you and I have something pretty neat coming up, hopefully, with the fact of the week pretty soon that we feel like it's going to be a lot of fun uh, for us. And at the same time, it's going to benefit the, uh, the museum. So looking forward to announcing that hopefully soon. So, again, Get over to the DeSoto County Museum as soon as you can to take a look at all the different amazing facts. Thank you, Rob Long, for that. Turn of sports, and the first thing we want to talk about is we have two just great feats uh, in the county this past weekend, both dealing with volleyball. The first being the late Cormorant girls. Cormorant girls volleyball team won the 5A state champions. They are the 5A state champions. Congratulations, Lady Gators. The Lady Gators defeated the Long Beach Bearcats. See, it's a good again, mascot. Again, it's a good mascot. Not a charger. No, no charger. Not a charger. Not well, a tiger. Was it from the south? So remember, yep. I told you they the North Mississippi half Just only got it was Chargers, Tigers. That was it. The Lady Gators beat the La- the Long Beach Lady Bearcats 21-25, 25-21, 25-18, 22-25, and then the tie-breaking fifth set 15-12. So so, again, so it went two and two. 
two and you two go to the last set. Can you imagine the decibel levels of those yells and those screams? I just, I mean, and, and take it I mean, now I've again. Been, I've been to volleyball matches. It's pretty, pretty loud. Intense, just tight. The girls playing their hearts out. But again, congratulations to the Lady Gators. Uh, there were a couple standout performances. I want to make sure we get on on the podcast. Alagia Rose. Uh, she is an Austin P commit. She has twenty. She had twenty two kills, seventeen digs, seven aces, three assists, and two blocks. Uh, talking about a stat line right there. We yeah, got played well. Five. She had five uh, parts of the stat line. Uh, Jasmine Shakan had fourteen digs, nineteen assists, four kills, and three aces. And Madison Wilkins had six blocks, eight digs, and six kills. But again, girls, we would just want to say congratulations to the Lady Gators, five, Lake Cormorant Gators, five A state champions for volleyball. Uh, for the 2020 season. So, congratulations. Absolutely. I saw in the article, Derek, that DeSoto County actually has 20 state championship trophies uh, in the state of Mississippi. Was unaware of that? 20 state championship 20. trophies. And there was one more added to that list, not including Lake Comrant on Saturday night. Tell us about that. DeSoto Central Jaguars. DeSoto Central Jaguar volleyball team are now the 6A state champions. So, we have the current reigning 5A and 6A state champions now reside in DeSoto County. They defeated the Brandon Bulldogs in Clinton. Uh, the score, not quite as close as the Jaguars, but I think the DeSoto Central, they would probably would have preferred a sweep. Uh, they won 22-25, so lost the first set, and then came roaring back with 25-13, 25-14, 25-16. So just really just took over, took control of the, ma- of the match after that first set. This is their fourth state championship. Listen to this map. Fourth state championship. The last one was five years ago when they won it in Class 3A. So that's how fast they grew? They, that's how fast they grow. They right. went from 3A in 2015 where they had uh, – that was their yeah. third state championship. Right. Five years later, they're winning 6A for the yeah. fourth state championship. Now, correct me if I'm wrong when I read, and maybe we don't have the stats on that, but didn't they play Ford in 16 and 18 and lose? They played I mean, Ford, they dominated. Uh, very good. They played Brandon I, as 6A. So, in 15, they were 3A. They jumped from 15 to 17, basically went from 3A to 6A. So, they skipped right. three divisions in two years. Sure. Which, again, that's going to be tough on anybody. They played Brandon in 17 and Brandon in 18. Lost both times. So this is a revenge game for DeSoto Central against the Brandon Bulldogs. Obviously, Brandon's got a traditionally uh, rich history of volleyball, and they were able to finally enact their revenge, got the title, a 3-1 victory over the Brandon Bulldogs. Some standout performances for DeSoto Central. Amani Silas had 26 kills, two aces, and nine digs. Megan Harris, two aces and 28 digs. And Gracie Tacker, 42 digs and nine kills. I mean, that's pretty awesome, Derek. I mean, to have the 5A and 6A champions. And let's not forget, shout out to Lake Comrade for winning what the, what they did. Uh, Center Hill Mustangs, Lady Mustangs, right up there with them. Uh, just a phenomenal uh, – I mean, again, we're late to the volleyball thing. We now know that. We'll be much more ready for it in the fall. Uh, but shout out to those young ladies for going out and doing what they did. The Class 6A championship runs through DeSoto County. We had several teams in the playoffs. Now we have the two champions. And, again, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm hoping the same for football which we're turning to now. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to move on to football. You and I both attended football games on Friday night. We always start our football talk under the water tower, talking about the Hernando Tigers. Hernando traveled to Horn Lake, Derek, this past weekend for a a battle. Hernando was undefeated in district. Uh, Horn Lake had one loss, and that was to Oxford. And Hernando just couldn't quite get it done. 16-14 to loss. Just a tough, hard-fought battle on Friday night, uh, losing 16-14. to It was tied uh, 7-7 at halftime, Derek. They came out. um, Horn Lake did. Scored almost instantly. They scored uh, really fast. And then Hernando ran a kickoff back, uh, seemed to be about 90 yards or so, ran the kickoff back, put it back to 14-14. to So you looked up and said, all right, we're right back. uh, Hernando's right back to where they were um, at at halftime. So let's get – both teams scored in under two minutes. Mm. That's how fast things were. So we were right back to 0-0 per se uh, for the second half. 
half. But then Hernando did a, a goal line stand. Um, but the on the next play, so they were maybe on the two, three-yard line. On the next play, a snap goes over the gentleman's head, the mm-hmm. young man's head that plays. Uh, he's kind of a wildcat formation type thing, a big kid. Uh, they were just trying to get some room out, and it went through his hands. It, it was a high snap, and it ended up being a safety. So you and I talked off the air, Derek, and what the Horn Lake coach seemed to do is once they, he had the lead – and the clock, he just started to run the ball quite a bit. So he he gobbled up some clock. Hernando did get an opportunity. Get an opportunity. There was a fumble, and uh, about seven minutes left. Hernando had an opportunity. Hernando uh, had a pass incomplete, then had a sack, and and it just kind of d- didn't go right on that particular drive. But uh, look, keep your heads up, young men, and uh, get ready for this Friday night because this Friday night, Oxford Chargers, who may be the best team in the state of Mississippi, comes to town under the water tower. So I know that that place will be packed. The crowd will be packed. Probably supposed to be fifty people or more. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, but uh, we won't mention that to Tate Reeves. Um, uh, but it, I think the Hernando Stadium holds about 15,000. Exactly, I yeah. Good. I think we got the rating at about 15,000. But, look, it's going to be a great game, going to be a great atmosphere, I'm sure, with with Oxford coming to town. Um, really for a shot at the district title, Derek. I mean, there's still mathematically some equations there. But, again, this past Friday, Horn Lake uh, did beat Hernando 16-14. to Hernando moves to 5-3 and on the season. Uh, Hernando did benefit from a couple of wins, uh, forfeits from uh, coronavirus stuff. And then Horn Lake has kind of rebounded. Four and three on the season, four and one uh, district record. So they're they're at the top of the district. Yeah, just I mean I, I hate it for the kids, and and again the sixteen fourteen losses. You'd almost rather lose sixty to fourteen than sixteen fourteen. Again, as you said, they have a chance for redemption this Friday night. Going to be a great game. So again, if you're listening, uh, unless you're a, a state official, do not listen. Come come out to a Hernando Tiger Stadium and get ready to cheer them on, and, and just you know let guys give Oxford all you got. That's it. That's all you can do is roll the ball out there and and go at it again. Oxford Chargers are a well coached team. Uh, they're just uh, they're a very good football team, very good football program. So, uh, but that's another opportunity. You have a chance to shock the world. Let's go do it. You almost did it with South Panola. So keep your head up and uh, and 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 go do it again. Uh, we always go to the far east uh, side of the county after we we talk about Hernando, and that's typically with Center Hill UTW podcast listeners. Center Hill did not play uh, this past Friday. Center Hill, as Derek was talking about, had to had some numbers that that began to increase. So they pulled the plug on the Center Hill football team for the next two weeks. So Center Hill had to forfeit to Saltillo, which uh, Saltillo could have played themselves at Center Hill Stadium and probably may not have won. That's how bad Saltillo was. Tied. They probably would have tied right. themselves. They were 0-6 on the season, 0-4 uh, on the season uh, in district. Center Hill had to forfeit to them. So, again, Mustangs, good luck to you. I don't know. I guess they maybe have one more game. Is that mathematically how it kind of looks like? Uh, they actually, well, there's actually two more games. Well, they got a forfeit uh, they, next Friday, too. They have the forfeit next Friday, and there is a game after that. So there is question as to when the 14th day will be and so uh, whether okay. or not they can play that last game on November 6th. So we'll, you know, I, I, sure. I don't have the answer to that yet, but hopefully have some more clarification by next Friday. This is a tough situation for the Center Hill Mustangs, who were had a strong record and were definitely up there uh, district. So keep your head up, boys. Moving a little bit further west, Olive Branch traveled to uh, Oxford, the team we were just speaking of. Olive Branch started the season off 4-0. Olive Branch has rattled off four straight losses. Uh, the Olive Branch Conquistadors have, have kind of fallen apart. Big lane day. <laughs> no other way to put it. And that was just it was it was brutal. Yeah. So thirty nine nothing. Oxford beat Olive Branch thirty nine nothing on Friday night. Um, there's not a whole lot to say. We don't have a lot of st- stats on games. It's funny how we started to have stats early in the season when that people were were winning, and now their their email machine may be broken. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's and we, we've asked for. We keep reaching out, and coaches, we're not we're not here to bash anybody. We want to get these uh, players' names on the air. Sure. I mean, the volleyball. I want to uh, say thank you. 
for being able to put your stats out there that we're able to find it or send it to us so we can have that. Football coaches, that's all we're asking. So if you could just do this for ne- you know this year uh, as it finishes it up and next year, we would just love to get the players' names on the air so they can celebrate themselves, celebrate their teammates, and just be able to, you know. Um, but no, we don't have any stats. And Olive Branch, I know it's tough. Uh, just, you know, keep – guys, you got two more weeks. And you got pride to fight for. You've got Hernando coming up. You've got a couple another uh, a game. So please continue to try to keep fighting, keep your head up. You know, again, do what you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you won, you won your first four and you've lost your last four. So I know it's a it's a, it's a bit of a struggle right now. It can be a, probably a tough locker room. Kind of wanting to just good luck to Olive Branch uh, in the future. Lewisburg, kind of the same boat right there. South Haven Chargers uh, had some struggles with uh, the coronavirus. Uh, but South Haven has, has started to heat up again, uh, winning against Lewisburg over this past Friday, 42-17. to 17. Derek, I've heard 42-17. to 17. It wasn't even that close. No. Yeah. Lewisburg moves to 3-6 and six on the season, 0-4 uh, in district. South Haven moves to 3-4 and four on the season, 2-3 and three in district. Again, their season has been cut short, playing a few less games or a couple less games because of the coronavirus. Again, South Haven's begun to flourish uh, with their talent. Some guys going Division One. So, uh, shout out to the Chargers for taking that one home against the Lewisburg Patriots, 42-17 to uh, this past Friday night. Moving on, Tupelo traveled up 78 to D.C. The Tupelo Golden Wave started the season 1-3. and three. Tupelo has turned it on in the last four weeks. Four straight wins to move to 4-1 in district, which puts them right at the top with Hernando, Oxford, Horn Lake. So Tupelo moves to 5-3 and three on the season. They did struggle or at least had a tough game at D.C., 21-14. D.C. moves to 2-6 and six on the year and 0-5 and in district. D.C., Again, Derek, we've talked about it for weeks. Certainly not the beneficiary, but the beneficiary of, of coronavirus issues, those losses, that type of stuff, and, and just a tough situation for them. Yeah, they they had two. You know, they had to sit out two weeks, took two forfeit losses. Came back last week, played a pretty decent game. Obviously, a hard-fought game. Just, you know, it's just you lose that two weeks of practice time, and it's, it's hard. It's like you're starting the season over again. So, you know, they're kind of feeling, well, you know, we're 0-2 since coming back. We've played two good games. You know, it, unfortunately, though, it's, it's deep into the season, and you've got, you're staring at five losses with only two games left. Fellas, there's still something to fight for. You sure. can still hope to ruin somebody else's season, and you got pride. And, hey, you get to play football. That's it. There's a lot of people said this, this season was not going to happen, and you're playing. Let's make the most of it and get these last two games in uh, that we can. Couldn't agree more. Just keep your head up and keep fighting and enjoying the, playing football, because uh, especially for the seniors. Yeah. Enjoy every second of it, guys, because it can be uh, over. Five, that song says five more minutes. There's right. Five more minutes. That's it. I couldn't agree more. Uh, last public school game, Lake Calmerant hosted the Grenada Chargers uh, in West DeSoto County. Lake Calmerant came in with a 5-1 record, 3-1 on the season in district. Grenada had a 4-2 record. Three and one in district, so they were at the top as well. Man, not a not a offensive juggernaut game that night. Twelve to ten victory. The Grenada Chargers again. Grenada Chargers are one of seventy two teams named Chargers in North mm-hmm. Mississippi, and Grenada Chargers get the win against the Gators. Twelve to ten. Looked like a defensive battle, and like you said, Derek, uh, what was the score at halftime? The score at halftime was tied, I believe, seven yeah. seven. Third quarter, uh, it was ten ten. Fourth quarter, the only score was a safety by Grenada. So pretty miserable. I mean, probably Lake Comer probably sat there and like, man, it's just you know, like quicksand, couldn't get anything going to to just get down the down the field for a field goal or or a try or something like that. So 
Grenada Chargers take the uh, the victory, twelve to ten. Grenada moves to four and one in district. That's the district, the North Mississippi district of five A, and so uh, Grenada is in the lead for that. But Lake Cormorant seems to be headed for the playoffs. So uh, again, something to play for, guys. A couple more weeks of uh, regular season, and, and hopefully into the playoffs. So keep fighting hard and, and doing a great job representing DeSoto County. We're going to turn our sights to the private school uh, ranks right here in DeSoto County. The North Point Trojans. Derek, you were there. Uh, on Friday night, North Point traveled to St. George's, which is in North Collierville, uh, right off of kind of um, Wolf River Wolf Boulevard. Wolf River and yeah. uh, Houston Levy. Exactly. Beautiful area up there, uh, or beautiful school up there. North Point, 3-4, three and 3-3 three and three on the season, 1-2, and two, comes to St. George's. Tell us about it. As I said last week, of course, <laughs> I recused myself from picking the game. I told you it was going to be close, and I'll, and the score does not say otherwise, but it, it was a close game. The final score was 28-7, to seven, but – North Point was 7 nothing through the first quarter, and they scored right before the end of the first quarter, uh, St. George's did. Uh, then it was at halftime, it was 14 nothing. That was because of a pick six. My North threw a pick six. So, again, not a defensive – the defense did not get up a, a score. Then North Point in the red zone three times. So, actually, it was even closer than that. It was actually not even the 20. It was like the 15 in the end. Three times, zero points. Zero points. They did not score. North Point did not score until it was the fourth quarter. I think it was 21 nothing. Uh, Hudson Brown had a 50-yard pass to Jackson Thomason. I mean, Jackson, I mean, wanted that touchdown. He did not want to be shut out. Broke a couple of great tackles, you know, almost dragging one guy in the end zone. And this is, you know, Jackson's only like 5'9". And, I mean, he, you know, he willed himself in the end zone, got the touchdown, so congratulations to him. But, again, when you're, when you're there three other times in the red zone and get zero points, I mean, th- this should have been a 21-14, 28-21 type game. And it just didn't end that way. And, and I know the boys are disappointed because they were visibly angry, uh, upset. Uh, there was a lot of trash talking. Uh, got a little chippy at the end. Um, and what's, you know, usually rival type games like that do. But you just hate to see them coming out there. And you just hate to see that it couldn't have been a closer game. Uh, couldn't have had a chance, to, you know, in the fourth quarter to maybe get a late score or something like that. So, again, it was a tough, hard, a tough game. Uh, they're now, uh, as you said, three and four, one and three in district. Quick question. Inside the 15, let's say three times, no points. Um, I mean, uh, field goal kicker inside the 15? Yeah, possibly? I mean, maybe when it's 21 nothing, okay. Okay, maybe that, that, that time, maybe you really wanted to get the, and get the seven points. I understand that. But when it's seven, just now seven, seven nothing, nothing yeah. and you've got the ball and it's right at the end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter. Field Maybe goal. get the three, seven, three. This, North Point does have a, I mean, a kicker. I yes, Coop, about, Cooper McCoy okay. is a fellow kicker. But I'm saying Cooper from McCoy. 35 yards and in, he's a threat. He can make a 35 yarder and in. Yes. Okay, make a 30. And we didn't even try. No. I mean, I mean, then we're talking. No, it was a 25. I was yarder. gonna say it's 25 20 yard, yard, 20 yard, yeah. 25 yard. A little bit longer than an extra point. I'm, I'm all look. I'm Ole Miss fan. Lane Kiffin is aggressive. I'm very happy with most of his play calling, except for two drives last Saturday. But most of the play calling, I like it. I like going forward on fourth down. I understand it. But sometimes when you're 3-3, three and three, when you struggle to score, when you're trying to give your kids some confidence, it's okay to take that three points in the first quarter. Also Ole Miss. Points are at a premium. Also Ole Miss. Right. You can take three, yes. three points in the first quarter. Points are at a premium. Uh, against Florida maybe. Against Auburn. Arkansas. You could, against Arkansas. You can take the three points. Take the three points. Right. Hey. It's better than zero points in a turnover at the goal line. Sure. Anyway, well, I, the I frustrating thing well, you and I talk a lot about football and, and stuff. The the bigger issue with with football is this: it's it's one thing it's one thing to be in a game that you have no business being in, but again, you can set yourself up for being run out of the gym. I mean, I mean you, St. George's had, uh, hit the running back was good, quarterback pretty good, th- but we were as equal good. with that team. Yeah, we were exactly, exactly. again. I said it was a, it would have been a six and a half point spread if this was a betting game. I think I said that on Friday. I was not far off. That's that's what the game looked like, and the scoreboard says it was twenty one points. It was a six-and-a-half, seven-point game on the field, except for the fact that, again, St. George did a great job stopping us in the red zone. 
But if you take six, nine points, what's that score? Sure. But 16, 28-16, 21-16, they've got to score again in the fourth quarter. That's the type. That's what it felt like, even though the score doesn't represent that. Right. I agree with you. So 28-7? 28-7. 28-7. Uh, way closer than that. Should have been closer than that. Uh, North Point, 3-4 and four on the season now. 1-3. and three, Has an opportunity against Hardy next Friday night to cap off their home, their home season uh, with a chance to make the playoffs. Matt, hold on. Uh, just got breaking news into the UTW hotline. It looks like Harding has forfeited the game. There's uh, just got an email came across this morning that Harding has forfeited the game due to COVID. Uh, they will not play the game. It looks like the game will not be made up. Obviously, this is the last of regular season game of the year for both teams. Playoffs do start next week, and so they're not able to find the time or the you know time frame of the quarantine. It looks like it's going to push them past this Friday, and therefore uh, North Point is uh, now four and four, two and three in the playoffs. In the playoffs. So again, congratulations to North Point, sure. five hundred record. Uh, almost 500 in district, and again, we don't know quite who they'll play yet. The email says that it de- depends on what happens on the other games in the district Friday night, but North Point has made the playoffs uh, and will be playing uh, next Friday night, November 6th at 7 p.m. And Derek, you and I record pretty early in the mornings on Tuesdays and Fridays, so pri- I mean, this is our, kind of our first breaking news this early in the morning when we record, so pretty neat. Congratulations to uh, North Point. They went from uh, winless two years ago. Winless two years ago to, to, to the three and seven last year, and now four and four. But did play in the playoffs last year? They did at three and seven, uh, okay. which was questionable, but they did. <laughs> I got you. But they're going to be in it this year. They got they got a little bit of tough task. Uh, yeah. Got to go two laws in. That, that's 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 yeah. again. It depends on what happens, and maybe laws in gets COVID this weekend. Something happens. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But um, as of right now, that's kind of projected of who they're going to play, and that you know we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, they lost. They they did not fare well against laws in two weeks ago. So no. again, North Point, congratulations. I feel like you would have won the game handily against Hardy on, on Friday. Okay. Uh, stinks that the the seniors lose out on that one last home game, but uh, you get one more. And then, and you know, win, win and move on. So, congratulations to the North Point Trojans for that. So, uh, speaking of playoffs. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. The Magnolia Heights Chiefs last Friday, they played outside of district. They played a, uh, a Mantachi Mustang team, a Mantachi being a, pu- a public school. Uh, Magnolia Heights just rolled them 37 to nothing. Uh, they just beat them down. The Chiefs, fans, the Chiefs definitely tamed. Yeah, definitely. Tamed. And, and Mag Heights fans, we apologize. You know, after the last couple of weeks, we, we kind of gave up on you. Yeah. We, we picked a smaller public school to just roll y'all, and, and no, y'all, y'all rolled them. So, congratulations no, to you. Great job, fellas. Uh, you know, keeping the momentum, actually, well, actually starting momentum. Sure. For the playoffs, because Matt, they are making the playoffs. That's right. So we're going to talk a, a lot about this game on Friday. Learn some more about their opponent and so forth. They play Hartfield Academy this Friday night in the first round of the playoffs. The team that they will play should they beat Hartfield is Leak Leak Academy. Leak Academy. It gets a bye. So Leak gets a bye. Uh, awaits the winner of Magnolia Heights and Hartfield. So Magnolia Heights. We'll talk more about you on Friday. Certainly cover you a bit more because once you get into the playoffs, we want to we're going to uh, go on a playoff run with you. So uh, we'll talk more Chiefs on Friday. So good luck to those guys and uh, just another good job by the Magnolia Heights Chiefs again, Derek. It's hard to believe that Magnolia Heights was our first team we started covering, and they've had no coronavirus issues to the to date. Nope. Uh, Etc. Played so played a full ten game schedule. Played the full ten games. They're playing again uh, this Friday night in the playoffs. So I want to wish them the best of luck. We know some of the people, some big fans for uh, Magnolia Heights and. and I had a gentleman call me the other day, and he's like, oh, man, I'm down in Oxford, and I was just driving around about something, and I heard something on the podcast, and he was talking about our podcast. 
So I was I was quite quite excited about I that. Like that. Yeah, I was very very excited about that. So look, and where, you, where can people hear more about our podcast, man? Well, Derek, if you like what you're hearing each and every week, every Tuesday and Friday, and, and some of the different extra shows that we put on, uh, look us up on Facebook, UTW Podcast, on Facebook at the UTW Podcast, on Instagram, UTW Podcast, on Instagram, on Twitter. UTW Pod. That's Twitter, UTW Pod. And certainly the most important thing, if you like what you're hearing, go to your podcast provider, hit the subscribe button so you'll you'll know each and every episode that we release on Tuesdays, Fridays, and sometimes even those special shows for whether it be Corey Usselton or Darren Musselwhite or, or some of the different uh, newsmakers here in DeSoto County. Uh, we'd like to get you on that. And most importantly, again, like I said about 25 minutes ago on the show, if you are interested in advertising with the UTW podcast, now's the time to get in. Under the water tower info at gmail.com is how you can receive a packet from an advertising standpoint. We're going to go very aggressive in November to set up what 2021 could be. We've got some elections coming up in 2021. We've got a number of different local things happening in 2021 that our listenership is only going to increase. People want to know more about what's going on each and every week under the water tower here in Hernando, Mississippi, and DeSoto County at large. Another great show. Looking forward to the Judge Percy Lynch interview on Thursday looking forward to your interview with Mayor Musselwhite and uh, other than that that's all I've got absolutely so look forward to more things again we talked about some stuff that we're working on uh, merchandise wise we've had a couple of people come up with that type of stuff so we're partnering up with the print house uh, for that type of uh, information so that we're partnering up with them to create some pretty neat things coming up in the next uh, you know 60 days with the print house so I think 2021 is going to be a lot of fun man it's got to be a lot better than 2020 with the uh, murder hornets and uh, zombie Zombie deer. COVID-19 and, and zombie deer and stuff like that. So, you know, Derek, if that's it, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little girl.